Hello. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent. I stands for using your intuition. N stands for networking. And K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello. I'm so pleased that Dr. David Steenblock is joining us today, which is January 31st, 2018. We're going to be having a wonderful show talking about his pioneering clinical work using stem cells. He's probably the only physician that actually has his own stem cell lab. So just to give you a little background, he earned his BS degree from Iowa State University and then his MS in biochemistry. And he receives his doctor of osteopathy. He has a very long line of, of educational experiences and uh, certifications, etc. So I won't I won't be talking about all of those. He, uh, he did co-author one of the very first lay-level books on a biblical cord stem cell therapy. Uh, and it was published, and it was called A Biblical Cord Stem Cell Therapy, The Gift of Healing from Healthy Newborns. And his, his latest passion, of course, is working with stem cells. And we'll probably touch upon... Uh, a study that he did relative to ALS patients. So welcome to the show, Dr. Well, thank you. thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. You pulled I'd me like away from study. my laboratory. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I often like to start the show out by, by asking, how did you get on the path that you're on today? In other words, obviously you went to college and et cetera, but did you have an experience early in life that said, oh, this is what I want to do? Well, I think uh, being aware is the primary criteria. I, I think I became aware of of uh, the facts of life uh, at a fairly early age, about four, and one of those facts was uh, growing up on the farm was death. And so I happened to see a fair amount of that uh, on the farm with different animals and whatnot. And one of the animals uh, that died was a big horse. And uh, so at four years of age, uh, uh, I had this monster of a horse uh, laying there in the, in the, in the uh, yard out in front of our house. And uh, the vet came over and wanted, was going to do an autopsy. And I said, well, I want to get in here and see what's going on because I had already figured out how a tractor worked with the pistons and all that. My dad had shown me that, so I knew that. But I didn't know how uh, that horse was able to move around like a tractor could move around, and I wanted to figure it out. So I asked uh, to be part of that, and, and so I got to do my first autopsy at the age of four. 
And so that was intriguing, but unfortunately, at the time I looked at it, I said, my goodness, this is complicated. <laughs> so I've got to learn a lot. And so I've, uh-huh. I've been trying to learn learn a lot ever since the age of four, <laughs> trying to figure out how things fall apart and how things, you know, uh, you know, keel over and die and all that kind of thing. And so I've learned all kinds of things, like what causes a person to die. Uh, your heart stops. Hey, there's a real, <laughs> a real discovery. <laughs> I mean, it sounds it sounds pretty trite, but and and simple, but boy, oh boy, you can ask a thousand people and you won't get that answer, you know, because you know it's That's like uh, what 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 are your goals in life? You know, you ask mm-hmm. a person that, and and you don't get the right answer either. What is your goal in life? That's to be happy and healthy. That's the best. And if they, they can't come up with that as an answer, you should say, well, let's stop and evaluate who you are and where you want to go in life. Don't you want to be mm-hmm. happy and healthy? That's number one. Number two. So, and I think healthy is first, and then happiness, because you can't be happy if you're unhealthy. I'll tell you that. So, so that's kind of in general. And and I've been following that path of trying to stay young. And now I got a new business or not a, not a, it's kind of like a passion i've invented a term called youngering and so oh. we're in the process of offering youngering treatments to people in terms of that people who want to get younger and and uh, you have to stop and think about okay well it's great to you know stem cells actually now 10 years ago stem cells were considered not to be able to be uh, used to make a person younger but now it's uh, becoming more and more acceptable that this is true that it can be done and and it is being done on a daily basis and around the world because my goodness we have the uh, the world of stem cells has just gone crazy in the last five years especially uh, i started doing stem cells back well my first bone marrow treatment was back in 1968 can you believe and then i, I did uh, i did training at the uh, university of washington department of hematology under clem finch and um, Donnell Thomas, and Donnell Thomas was the guy that won the Nobel Prize for his uh, work in bone marrow transplants, uh, and so I had a few months there working with them, and that was, I think, of all the treatment, of all the therapy, of all the, of all the training I ever had, that was mm-hmm. the best training that there ever was. That that group of people were the best. They were all top-notch people. They all had just finished up at uh, the NIH, National Institutes of Health, all postdoc in hematology and oncology, and there was like 30 of those people that were just absolutely geniuses, and it was a great, great pleasure and, and uh, one of the highlights of my life to have been working with them. Uh, so anyway, uh, the whole thing is uh, just exploded here. We've uh, since I started uh, really doing a lot of clinical work here in California it was about 2000. I I got into it because I had been treating stroke patients. I was the first guy in the country, if not the world, to have a full-time uh, clinic using hyperbaric oxygen for treatment of stroke, which I caught all kinds of hell for because nobody thought that I could come up with something that nobody mm-hmm. else had ever come up with that actually worked for stroke. And so I was attacked viciously by the state medical board and the Department of Consumer Affairs and et cetera, et cetera. And they, they really took me to, through the ringer. It cost me like over a million dollars to defend myself, but I came oh. up on the on, on the on the on the end, I was successful, and, and they had to back off because what I had said was truthful, and, and they mm-hmm. thought I was lying, and they said nobody that it was just a simple DO, doctor of osteopathy, could come up with anything brilliant like that uh, because if it was going to work, it would have come up at you know UCLA or some other big university would have come up with it, but not just a, a, a farm boy from Iowa uh, here 
in California all by himself, that's impossible. So uh, that's, I think, kind of their attitude was. And, and I've been continually to confound them uh, for a long time. So I've been doing the, I've been a leader in alternative medicine, you know, bringing all kinds of new therapies mm-hmm. to the world. And uh, besides uh, hyperbaric, now hyperbaric is kind of uh, passe as far as I'm concerned. Now, uh, the world is finally catching on to hyperbaric in terms of stroke and all these things. But I've kind of cut down on my use of stroke, of of, of, of um, hyperbaric because I've found now that uh, stem cells are as good or better because with hyperbaric you have to be coming to the office every day for and you have to get ready you have to come to the office it's an hour and a half treatment and then you got to go home so it's about a four or five hour treatment every day five days a week for like two months well that's a lot of time and effort and with stem cells you come in get one shot of stem cells into the cerebral spinal fluid and and generally that's you get as good or better results than all that time and money with hyperbaric oxygen. So I think in general, stem cells have replaced hyperbaric for most of these things. So that's really exciting. And, and it is a lot, you know, much more convenient for people because people were coming from all over the world to see me and now they can stay home. And, and, and now if they have somebody around that has stem cells, they can get these kind of treatments at home. So that's, uh-huh. that's really exciting too. And Lots what, of what type of, what type of um, illnesses are you treating? Oh well, uh, well, I've been special. Well, I treat all kinds, and so, uh, like I say, since about 2000, 2001, uh, I started with uh, bone marrow and umbilical cord. We did umbilical cord a lot out of Mexico because it was uh, somewhat uh, illegal to talk about them here and then give them here because the FDA has these rules and regulations. And I found that out with hyperbaric. If, you, if I I said hyperbaric oxygen helps uh, helps uh, help a person with a stroke quite a bit and it does and that was truthful however uh, that was making a claim and so they then decided that since I was making a claim for hyperbaric hyperbaric oxygen was a was a drug and I was illegally promoting a drug and so they came after after me for that and so I found out at that point that I cannot talk about things that are not mm-hmm. FDA approved so, but Correct. I can if yeah. you're my, if you're my if you're my patient, I can tell mm-hmm. you all kinds of things that you would never hear otherwise, and 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 people don't get that fact that as a licensed physician, I can make almost anything in my office and give it to you as my patient. You and I don't want to go out and talk about it, but as long as you know what I'm doing and you're with it and you you agree to it and you know mm-hmm. and I've informed you and and I've given you informed consent and all that, and I know that it's safe. And and all that, and it should help you, then it's between you and me. And so we do a lot of things that I can't talk to you on the radio sure, about. Sure. Uh, but, uh, but there are some things that uh, my patients uh, can. Now, uh, now, I can say without claiming anything, I can say that I am growing stem cells uh, in my lab. I have a research laboratory, okay? Mm-hmm. And so uh, growing stem cells is uh, if I grow stem cells for a patient and talk about it in and like I'm talking on the radio now, that's illegal. I can't say that I'm growing stem cells for you as a patient, that, that person that is not my patient. But if you're in my office, I can legally do pretty much anything. And I do have a stem cell lab. And I'm, like I say, one of the few doctors in the country that actually has this stem cell lab. If you talk to your doctor who's doing stem cells, you ask them things like, do you have a flow cytometer? And, uh, you know, they don't have one. It's a hundred and twenty thousand dollar machine, and they're not. They don't even have some of these guys that are doing stem cells. Don't even have a microscope, and so uh, you know you and to, to look at a 
Uh, if you're going to give stem cells, you want to look at the stem cells before you give them because sometimes they're contaminated and or they have, you know, either bacteria or yeast or uh, or they have chunks of tissue and you don't want to do any of those things. But a lot of the stuff that's out there right now has those kind of things, especially chunks of tissue because they're uh, these amniotic stem cell companies are, are promoting uh, the use of amniotic cells and amniotic membranes. And, and what they do is they process it by way of what's called morselization, and they take this, the frozen uh, uh, umbilical cord or amniotic uh, membranes and they grind it up and they put that in little vials and sell it to the doctors and tell, us, tell the doctors that this is great, uh, uh, great stem cells. And, and when you start looking at it under the microscope, there's chunks of tissue in it. And oh I, know at least one, I, I know of one case, at least, that within 24 hours after getting it shot in the knee, I wound up with uh, multiple pulmonary emboli. It was intensive care for a week. So oh, my it's gosh. Not, and, oh. you know, these doctors don't know what they're doing, but the salesmen know how to sell. And so between the salesmen mm-hmm. selling and the doctors wanting to treat people and get them better, and they've heard all these good things, and they can make some money too, everybody's out there doing stem cells now. So, you know, it's uh, buyer beware, and, and uh, you know, guys like me are, are far and few between because it takes, you know, I've been specializing in nothing else with stem cells since, like, what, 2003, 2004, mm-hmm. something and like that. And I've done well over 7,000 cases, over 100,000 injections, uh, you know, a lot. And, uh, and frankly, with you do it right, you don't have any problems. And so, mm-hmm. and, but I did, I had problems when I first started because there was a lot of problems in the industry at that time. In fact, we sure. I bought some, some, some reagents once from uh, UCLA, and of course they promised it's great and all that, and it turned out to be contaminated. I'd have to kill people because of it. I happened to have a, I happened to have a microscope. Can you believe? And I looked at it and I said, Oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> and it was mm. the worst, the worst microscope in the world. And it was in Mexico. <laughs> I said, Oh my God! And it was like I remember at nine o'clock at night, dark as ace of spades. I had this little closet. I was looking at these cells, and I'm looking at it like this is like something out of you know Star Wars or something. Mm. And I'm looking at this, it's, everything is black, and I look deep inside the scope, and I look, and I go, oh, damn, if I can't see all these little bugs floating around. I said, this looks oh. like bacteria. And I oh. almost was going to get them. You know, thank God I had that microscope there. There was one that was just laying around, you know. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, you have to, and, oh, of course, I know how to look at a microscope. I was trained as a pathologist, so, you know, you didn't mention that, too. So four years of pathology helps when you're doing all this stuff, too. So, oh, you know, you, can, you know a lot that by then. So most of these guys haven't had any training after their internship, and they didn't have their, you know, I've got the master's in biochemistry and, and uh, the pathology training. And, and for since 1978, I've been specializing in all alternative medicine people, people that have not been able to be helped by anybody. And so mm-hmm. every day I get, like today I had myotonic uh, dystrophy, uh, somebody's calling about uh, uh, multiple system atrophy, another person's calling about, this is just today. These are incurable cases. People are calling, can I help? And I have to say sometimes no, sometimes yes, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's an exciting time. ALS is a whole other thing, and that's a that it turns out to be, in my opinion, and from my experience, a, a very complicated, perfect storm of a disease. And it has to do with a combination of intestinal infections and uh, chronic, uh, in, uh, a uh, chronic osteoarthritis of the neck where the uh, nerve, in the, uh, a spinal nerve in the neck has been compressed. And uh, that then uh, the the person injures themselves again, and they cause what is called a blood-brain uh, barrier, cerebrospinal fluid 
break and the uh, cerebral spinal fluid can leak into the blood and, and the blood can leak into the spinal cord. And the poisons from the intestinal tract are transmitted through the blood to the spinal cord by this process. So, so the bugs in the, in the gut are carried into the blood. The blood carries it to the spinal cord and, the, and there's an injury there that happened first 20 years ago and then they had another injury here within the last six or eight months and that has caused a little bit of a tiny leak and so allows these poisons to get in slowly. And so the reason why you get these people that have fast onset and, and they continue to uh, die quickly are the, they have a bigger break and they have more infection. And others who uh, go real slow have less of a break and don't have as much infection. And you can see the person who has has these ALS patients who injure their neck again, uh, they get worse again suddenly. And if they uh, are thrown out, if they eat something like acids or lots of nuts or seeds or something that irritates their gut, then that also triggers uh, the onset of, uh, or a more rapid worsening. So within a day or two of doing something like that, you'll see the person get a lot worse. And so this tells me again that this is true, what I'm telling everybody, because you see it clinically with the patients. And so, mm -hmm. for example, uh, one of the patients said, uh, as an example of how it starts, uh, one of the guys had a, had, a, had a car accident when he was 18 or something. Here he is at... Um, like 60 has another accident, but he, what he did is, here he is 60, he's doing some work in his garage on a car engine, and he has, you know, a, a head, uh, uh, the engine head, uh, where the mm -hmm. pistons are in. Uh, that's a mm -hmm. block of stuff, it weighs about 50 pounds or something, he picked one up, and, and he turned around and, to move it to, to maybe put it on the engine or something, and as he turned, he twisted his neck, and he hurt his neck, and right at that site that he had injured himself 20, 30 years before, and there was osteoarthritis there and calcium deposits. And with that, when that when that happened, the very next day he had the onset of ALS. And that's a real good example of how just a trauma initiates the whole process. And we see that over and over again with all kinds of things. And 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 out of I've got now 80. Uh, I think you had uh, were told uh, that I had published the published paper. I had 55 cases. Out of 55, I think 52 had this, what's called neuroforaminal stenosis in the neck. Now I'm up to 80, and it's uh, like 75. So 95% of all these patients that have ALS have this, uh, this uh, combination of things. And so now we know pretty much what's causing it, but then again, what, what's uh, the cure? Well, first of all, you have to figure out the bugs and treat those because there's all kinds of bugs. I think the bugs cause what's called superoxide formation, and the superoxide then triggers the inflammation in the gut, and then that opens up the gut to the poisons, and from there it goes on and on. So it's a little complicated, but if you look at my website, stemcellmd.org, I've got all these papers on there that talk about all that kind of thing. So uh, there's a lot of information to know, and uh, your standard doctors don't know anything about any of it. So it's, uh, it's difficult to wade through to get to the point where you understand it all, but I'm happy mm -hmm. to go through it over again because uh, you know, it seems to be quite true. Now, whether or not we can fix them and cure them is another whole story. Because uh, we've found that the, there's a lot of stories about the different kinds of stem cells. We have fat stem cells where you take, uh, you know, a trocar and put it mm -hmm. under your, in your belly and, and suck out the right. fat. Then we have bone, bone marrow. Those things, the, the fat stem cells are considered illegal because the FDA says that's a drug. Uh, the bone marrow is not illegal, so you can do a bone marrow legally. I've been doing and advertising bone marrows for a long time, mm -hmm. and so I've done 
I've done thousands of bone marrows. It's not painful. I mean, just a little bit of pain once in a while, but not much of it all. It's a, I'd much rather have a bone marrow treatment than go to the dentist, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a, it's a little different than when you go to have cancer, uh, treatment for cancer when they do a bone marrow there because they're, they, they have a special way of doing it. They think that they're going to get the most number of stem cells by by uh, by drilling holes, like 150 holes in your oh. hips. And oh. so you have to have a general anesthetic, and your hips are, are raw meat uh, by the time they finish with you. So that's why you oh. suffer for like three days or so, and you have to be on narcotics and everything. I don't agree with that. I, I get I get the same amount of stem cells without hardly any pain, and I don't understand why they persist in this archaic way of doing things, but they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, but but again, you know, they, they it's like the guys in Mexico. They get into a habit of doing it, and this is the way we do it. And That's even right. though I can, I can come along and show them, well, this is a lot better. You know, like one of the things with the bone marrow, the, when I started, there was a thing called a Jim Sheedy needle. It's a number 11, which is a, almost the size of a number two paper uh, pencil. You know, it's a monster. And you mm-hmm. had to cut into, you had to cut through the skin and, and dry oh, that in. It took, it took me an hour to, 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 dry, to drill through into the bone. And so it was horrible. My first one I ever did was eight hours, can you believe, because uh, of this drilling process. And I was afraid oh. of hurting my wife. My wife was the poor person that got to be in my first volunteer. Oh, and no. So, so after, after, about, after about, a, about six months of this, I'm, my, I'm saying, I'm not going to do this ever. This is great therapy, but I can't, I can't do it because it's mm-hmm. so hard on me. You know, because I'm drilling and drilling my arm, and it's getting arthritis and all that. So, so thank God somebody came along with a new device. It's a, it's an electric drill. It's made special for this. Instead of a number 11, it's a number 15. It's just uh, like a 16 gauge is what they use for even IVs. This is 15, just a little bit bigger. I put the uh, drill on and zoop, I'm in. Doesn't doesn't uh, hurt, uh, and uh, I get uh, great results. And so bone marrows are very, but the. the, the or, yeah, or, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you can do the. I've done. I did the, the knees. I did a paper on the knees first back in 2008. I I reported that at uh, a, a sense meeting in Cambridge, England, and that was interesting mm. because at that time nobody had ever published anything about bone marrow stem cells being useful for anything. And so here I get up in front of a group of about 100, 200 doctors, hotshot doctors, you know, and I start talking and I start. I had a hundred cases, I think, that I reported on. And I had like 30 osteoarthritis, et cetera. And I you know, was just talking about the results I was getting. And they went nuts. They went nuts telling me things like, you're crazy. That can't mm-hmm. be true. You're nuts. Mm-hmm. And they actually started throwing things at me. Can you believe that? <laughs> I, had, no. I, have never seen, I have never seen anybody in medicine ever have things thrown at them because the guy up there was such a crazy. And so, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident what I'm doing and all that. I, it didn't bother me, but I said, well, okay, I'm just telling you the facts. You don't want to believe it. That's okay. I don't care. Uh, And within two years, all kinds of more papers came out and proving I was correct. And, you know, but it was such an interesting experience to go through, to have all these hotshot PhDs throwing things at me that, and telling me (laughs) that I should go home and, and, and get out of medicine Gosh. and all that. I say, boy, oh boy, this is a paradigm shift. I was at the forefront of the paradigm shift for stem cells, I can tell you. And so it's it's been interesting because now 
I mean, it's everywhere. And before that, uh, you know, bone marrow fat, that was all total quackery. That could not possibly be. Because if, if, and they were saying the same thing, if, you know, the only thing that works is em- embryonic, because they were all working in embryonic. And they all thought that was the, the thing, because that's what they've been studying, and that's what they got their grants for. And, they, you know, they didn't want to hear that a doctor, a, a practicing physician, had figured out how how you could practically give stem cells to people and get them well now rather than wait for the FDA to, you know, go through all that mm-hmm. stuff. You know, it's, the FDA has still not okayed embryonic stem cells. And then how many years has it been working? These guys have been working for close to 20 years now at least on, mm-hmm. on trying to get embryonic stem cells to work for humans, but the, no far, so far no, no luck. Whereas, uh, you know, the bone marrow has been used now since... Uh, well, I started uh, here in the United States in about 2004, and so since then, uh, it has uh, it still hasn't gotten too popular because the doctors have to have some kind of talent, and most of these doctors who want to get into it are general practitioners and whatnot. They don't know anything about surgery. I did a lot of surgery uh, as well as all the other things I've done, and so it was no big deal for me to get into it. But but still, uh, you know, I had doctors. I've come to have doctors try to train them, and and I tell you, I can't even train doctors because they just don't have the skills to to feel the bone and put the needle where it's supposed to be and I don't know they're nervous or whatever but it's awfully hard to get doctors to do things right so I've kind of (laughs) moved on and so now I've come up with a whole new thing that is really really exciting and that is that I can take uh, my patient's blood and I can grow those stem cells in my lab and uh, I can instead of like a normal cost of a stem cell now a bone marrow or a fat uh, is like 6,000 one umbilical cord is 6,000 now I and you get up for that like about on equivalent about 10 million stem cells and for 6000 now with growing I can take your blood out of your arm and I can grow 100 million uh, stem cells that's 10 times more for the same amount of money so you get 10 times more stem cells for the same amount of money now if you have ALS or whatever you can actually become my patient I can send the stem cells to you so we have now a system where I can help people that are wheelchair bound and, and really really sick uh, without having to leave you know and travel and a lot of my patients cannot travel because they're so sick so uh, this is a real godsend for those people because they can't you know get these kind of therapies any what do you what do you do if the the patient's um, blood has, let's just say that it has some form of leukemia? Are you able to still well, do to do the process? Well, I, I could, sure, but I you know I haven't uh, been dealing with that. Uh, there's techniques now where you can actually isolate the uh, the normal stem cells and get rid of the cancer ones. So, but. Again, I'm not doing that right now because I've got so mm-hmm. much business with what I'm doing. So, sure. um, you know, but I could if, you know, if, if push comes to shove, we can do that. And, and somebody else who's interested in that, I'm sure one of these days is going to get around to that. But right now what we're doing <laughs> is, is, is this method, and, and, uh, and it's working well. We have, you know, people talk, ALS patients are always talking about, like, Brainstorm or whatever, these uh, these companies out of Israel and they have they've been using GDNF, a, a glial drive nerve growth factor for uh, stimulating their stem cells. And I, I copied that technique years ago when they started. I said, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And and, mm-hmm. and that seemed to help. That seemed to help a little better than the regular stem cells. But now I've come up with a new method of treating all these people that uh, it's even better as far as I'm concerned. And and it's um, uh, it turns out that the the very smallest stem cells work the best. And so I've come up with a method of of 
growing what are called very small embryonic-like stem cells, very tiny. They're about one micron as compared to a normal stem cell, which is about 13 to 17 microns. So uh, these things are very tiny. And it's good for the ALS when I... When I put these into the spinal cord, there's a lot of scarring and inf- inflammation and whatnot, and so they're able to penetrate in through the damaged blood vessels, et cetera, and get in and, and do a better job than these other more, uh, the larger stem cells that we've been using in the past. So we're getting better oh, results. And, and so we're getting better results. We're getting the cost down instead of eighteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for a cerebral spinal fluid, we were able to cut the cost down to like half of that now and give you as many or more, and they're more effective than, than ever mm-hmm. before. So things are every day, it's getting better and better and cheaper. So uh, it's, a, it's a great time. Uh, we still haven't cured everybody, but, uh, but we're working on it. <laughs> yeah, well, you probably win some and lose some. That's kind of how it goes. Well, that's true. Yeah, I've got some people with know. ALS that are like six, seven years out in, in remission, which is pretty re- un- uh, pretty remarkable but that is we still remarkable. have some that, but we still have a few that uh, don't get better so you have to just keep trying well now one of the there's... things one of the things is that that everybody that has these neurodegenerative conditions have yeast infections and that's something that nobody else has really figured out and if you look at you can do a google search and put in yeast and ALS and yeast and Alzheimer's and yeast and Parkinson's and MS, multiple sclerosis, all of these, if you look at the papers, they all show that they have at autopsy uh, yeast infections in their, in their brain and spinal cord. So uh, if you have it in your brain and spinal cord and 100% of them have it at death, uh, you would think maybe that this is a cause or a contributing cause to these conditions, and I think it is. Have you figured out how to get rid of the yeast infections in, in your well, patients? Well, that's another problem. These, this, the problem with it is that it's not normal yeast. It's old yeast. They've been laying in that. In they, what they do is they infest the, uh, the uh, epithelium of the gut, and uh, they have a, a, there's a central part of it that's uh, strange. Nobody ever heard of this, but it, uh, they, they, as they, they go from a blastosphere, which is like a little ball, and they turn into this like a tree, uh, like a little... Uh, um, a tree branch, a little sprout, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. as they sprout, they have they form inside of themselves a hard particle made out of chitin, and chitin is the same material that's uh, that you peel off uh, when you're eating a shrimp, or uh, and that that outer shell that's a little pink, that's mm-hmm. hard, that's called mm-hmm. chitin, and the yeast actually makes that itself and starts to use that to drive itself into the tissue. Anyway, the body uh, in these long-term kinds of things, they they become allergic to that, and so you can measure uh, chitin antibodies in the person, and that'll tell you if they got this kind of chronic infestation. Crohn's disease also, Crohn's disease patients also have this, and so Crohn's disease and ALS are similar because they both have yeast in their gut, and they both have these anti-chitin, what are called anti-chitin, triocidase antibodies and so uh, there's some relationship there uh, between uh, these two different diseases Uh, in any case it's it's quite fascinating that the uh, these yeast uh, they grow and then they become senile and they no longer uh, are multiplying and so uh, because they're no longer multiplying if you give them antifungals they don't absorb it and they don't try to use it to grow and so normally if they're healthy uh, yeast cells they'll pick up the antifungal drug and they'll use that and that 
then kills it because the yeast is trying to use that material to grow and it interferes with the growth process and so the yeast uh, cell dies. Well, in these cases, they've been there for so long that the uh, the yeast no longer is replicating and not growing and so it doesn't pick out these antifungals and it just festers and, and just slowly uh, sits there and does nothing except rot. And so it, it just keeps rotting and it causes inflammation and little particles then flake off and these little particles form what are called aggregates, and these aggregates are picked up by monocytes, which are cells in the mm-hmm. blood, and, the, and right. these monocytes then, then carry these fragments, these aggregates, up to the spinal cord, and these aggregates then get into the spinal cord, and when they get in the spinal cord, then they go to the microglia in the spinal cord, which are like the monocytes, and so maybe the monocytes themselves carry it in and become microglia in the spinal cord. In any case, the microglia then uh, take these aggregates, and that causes the inflammation and kills the motor neuron. So the aggregates need to be treated, so we need to treat those, and one of the treatments you can use for that is called trehalose, T-R-E-H-A-L-O-S-E, which is a type of sugar, and that causes these aggregates to stop being aggregates and will reform like into normal, and so that you don't have these aggregates causing the inflammation. So that's exciting. So, um, so we need to work on on cleaning up the gut. Uh, sometimes you have bacteria there too, and I think the combination of bacteria and yeast cause what's called a superoxide, and the superoxide irritates the gut, causes colitis, and that's been well documented. So now we have superoxide causing colitis that that opens up the gut to allow these poisons to get in, and uh, so we have these poisons uh, that are then uh, causing inflammation of the gut wall. That interferes with the conversion of tryptophan into serotonin, and and these patients wind up with serotonin deficiencies, and that creates all kinds of problems and makes the immune system all messed up, and so that contributes to the whole process too. So getting the serotonin levels back up in these ALS patients is important, so they need to take things like 5-hydroxytryptophan at night or during the day to increase their absorption of of their serotonin and get that serotonin levels back up because that's really important, um, another component of this whole thing. So there's many, many factors that need to be addressed, and unfortunately there's uh, not very many people that have gone through all this stuff and worked on it full-time. This is all I do, basically, other than, you know, the other cases, are, like stroke to me is easy because there's nothing much to do other than give them stem cells because that's, that's mm-hmm. the best treatment there is going to be. I don't have to think about it, you know, whereas ALS I have to think hard about each patient really quite quite a lot to figure them out because it's not just ALS. Some of these come in with autoimmune conditions. they got this other condition and that other condition, and you have to address all of them. So it becomes very yeah, complicated. I, I, would think, I would think that your work's going to become even more complex because of the um, the GMOs that are in the foods now. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. Where they've do, changed the DNA. Yeah, how do you tell about what's Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, and and that uh, would affect the gut, the gut. And if you're talking oh, about no cleaning question. up the... You're talking about cleaning up the gut. What do you do now to clean up the gut? You know, outside well, of, of one, killing get, the aggr- aggregates. Well, you know, get, get rid of sugar. I think get rid of the sugar and, and get everybody on an organic, you know, diet uh, free of all the GMO stuff and mm-hmm. and and the glyphosates and and all these things. Sure. Not like. Uh, the meats, I try to get them to get their wild, uh, free range, you know, wild mm-hmm. uh, buffalo or so deer sure. or whatever, uh, sure. things like that. Um, and wash your uh, vegetables and everything well. Sure. Uh, keep them 
keep them off of plastic bottles. There's a lot of things to, what do you, you know, just just trying to do it yourself is hard. And and if you don't have any diseases. Yeah. Oh, it is. <laughs> so, it really is. It takes a lot of yeah. dedication, a lot yeah. of dedication. I mean, I I cleaned up my entire environment uh, starting back in 2004. Well, that's a job, so, isn't it? It's been a long, okay. long time, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of alkalinization of the water is also very important, and alkalinization of the body is extremely mm-hmm. important. It turns out that that stem cells don't grow in an acid environment, and so that's really, really key to getting good results with stem cells. And and so you have to really concentrate on, on things that help get the body alkaline, not acid. And so you have to avoid. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what you think about all these people talking about lemon juice and uh, limes and all Actually, that. Actually, le- lemon, lemon, lemons with but, water in the morning is one of the healthiest things you can do for yourself. Yeah, yeah. and so, uh, but whether or not that causes acid in the, in the system as compared to, you know, because when you put it in, it's sort of acid. Uh, and so that's a real question. I don't know the answers to that. Um, mm. You know, that's a whole, that's a whole other project. I know, I know you're, what you're saying, a lot of people are saying the same thing, that feel better and do better with it. But if you mm-hmm. have... ALS or something like that, where you really acid is really a major factor for you. I don't know uh, uh, gotcha. how do you know uh, how much acid you're getting from from these things, and I don't have mm-hmm. a good method of figuring that one out. And so I hope somebody comes. Why don't you come up with that? <laughs> tell me <laughs> how, how to. Well, how I, to I, know. I would. I, <laughs> I could. I could tell you that you know one slice from a lemon in water in the morning isn't going to <laughs> impact. Yeah. You too terribly. Yeah, think, and, and some of these people have, you know, for some reason, the yeast causes a lot of constipation. Another thing that that is a, is something that I've noticed and found is is that these people have excess of salivation, and they have they play. It's hard to get this out of their out of them, and you have to give them all kinds of drugs, and it dries them up, and it's not good at all. I found that the yeast is the major factor for that. So if I get them really uh, work on cleaning up their mouth with yeast and all that, the, that excess of salivation goes away. So that's an exciting uh, finding that nobody else has ever found. I haven't published it, but I tell you, it's worth cleaning up the, the mouth and the, and the gut just for, for getting rid of the saliva. Uh, so it makes your life a whole bunch better if you have these kind of conditions. So oh there's another gosh. fact. I, the human body is so complex, and what oh, you're, tell me about it. And, what you're, and why, what you're why does the yeast is, cause you to salivate? You know, why is that? I have no mm-hmm. idea. You know, what's mm-hmm. that all about? You know, but it does. It seems like I treat it and it goes away. So, huh. yeah, that's something. Yeah, it is totally. It's like okay, well, you know, that comes about because of experience. And if I don't have people, of course, that, you know, I see a lot of people, and and you know, I remember the fellow that first taught me this. He was a he's a race car driver, had traumatic brain injury, and he's mm-hmm. 36 years old. Still, he still sees me. I still talk to him once in a while. But you know, he came in with this mouth full of saliva and and whatnot, and. And I looked him over, and I said, well, the only thing I can find is that you've got yeast in your mouth, so I may mm-hmm. as well treat that. And sure enough, we and I didn't think it was going to do anything, you know, for that. And we treated it, and he says, hey, look at this. This has gone away. And and then and then What did you uh, treat him months, with? Well, like Nystatin. Mouthwashes? You know, Nystatin mouthwash and Diflucan or Nizoril. I think Nizoril at the time. That was a long time ago. Uh, Nizoril is an antifungal. Oh, my God. i got to turn off this phone. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 
anyway, um, so and then then I went from him to others, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know found that it wasn't just him; it was uh, everybody else that uh, came in with this this syndrome. Because I have the stroke patients with this, and and uh, the ALS patients. Why do you think that? Reasons. Why do you, why do you think that yeast has become such a problem in our populations? Well, just look at how much sugar everybody's eating every you know, a year. It's like uh, mm. it's been 150, 150 pounds at least for the last mm. 10 years. So that's, you know, for like 15, 20 years, well, even when I was a kid, we had sugar, but, it, you know, we had to actually spoo- spoon it out of the sugar bowl. Uh, and mm-hmm. we had Cokes and all that, but we didn't have the money to buy Cokes. And uh, my mother and father refused to give me anything like that. So uh, the only sugar I got was in the morning with my cereal, but that was enough apparently to rot my teeth and and, and everything, and uh, probably gave me all kinds of problems. That you know, allergies. I think that's a contributing sure. cause. And hypoglycemia, and low blood sugar, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. chronic fatigue, and you know, falling asleep yeah. after you eat. All these different things. It's a very common it's problem pretty, that people it's, don't realize. It's pretty addicting, and it's very addicting. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally addicting. Very Sugars. Addicting. I mean, that's you know, talk about addicting drugs. That's the number one drug we have that yeah, gets is. us addicted. You start off with, yeah. you know, uh, two years old, and you're starting them on sugar. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I remember one of the worst cases I ever saw was a was a kid in my. She was like I was. Um, I must have been a second grader, and she must have been a first grader or a kindergartner. And she was, she was given apple juice in her milk in her bottle, milk bottle. And so she, when she was like one, two, instead of giving her milk, they gave her apple juice. And uh, by the time she got to school, uh, with her baby teeth, her baby teeth were all black, 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 and uh, the central core, you know, halfway down had rotted. So it was about half the size. So it was like you had the 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 uh, tooth right there as it came out of the gum was like normal size, but black. And then it dwindled down into a, like a almost a thread, about a, a fourth the size of what it should be. And then it came back uh, to almost a normal size where, where she was biting her teeth. So it was the most god awful thing I'd ever seen in her mouth. And this is all from just sucking on apple juice from her bottle. You know, so, That's so this sad. is. Yeah, mm-hmm. terrible. And and of course, you go to England. I think probably you still see some of that kind of thing. I, yeah. I guess the <laughs> I English can talk, supposedly have I very talk, poor teeth. <laughs> oh, I thought. Well, the, the guy I went to England to uh, meet with uh, and uh, lecture, uh, his uh, name is Aubrey de Grey, and he's uh, world famous for being the the guy that promotes anti-aging and whatnot. And and this is a kind of an anti-aging oh, yes, group. Yes. And uh-huh. and he he introduced me to his wife his wife, who is a mathematics professor at Cambridge, and I took one look at her, and she had teeth almost as bad as this th- five-year-old that I was talking about. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm a, I was just aghast. And mm-hmm. I'm saying, I said, Aubrey, how can you allow your wife to have such terrible teeth? And he looked at me and says, well, I don't mind. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can, oh my can gosh. you imagine? What, what a response. You know, I mm-hmm. said, my God, if you care for a person, you would say, we're going to the dentist now. <laughs> and I'm yeah, thinking, well, I mean, all the sugar yeah. out of your diet. My goodness uh-huh. gracious. You know, it's horrible. So <laughs> I hope he, don't, hope he you, doesn't um, hear this. <laughs> I know. Why don't you talk to us about your youngering clinical program? Okay, youngering, you know? yeah. Now, that, that brings back to the old question. You know, I, I, was, I, got my, uh, I was given my 
I was given a, a full-ride scholarship for a, a Ph.D. in gerontology at the University of Miami. It was the first Ph.D. gerontology program in the world. And I got there, and uh, I found out that they were interested in studying aging. And I'm saying, ex- excuse me, but I think aging has more to do with disease than just True. getting old. <laughs> and and so they didn't want to hear that at all. They thought I was crazy, and I thought they were crazy. So we had a parting of the way quickly. So I only lasted there about six months, and I walked out on that place. And I went back to medical school and became a doctor a physician instead of a Ph.D. And... <clears throat> You know, the point was that, that the argument was, that, you know, nature, nurture, that's another thing, kind of the same thing, you know, uh, you know what, who, which is responsible. And, uh, and it turns out, I think, that if you look at telomeres and, and, and telomerase and all that, I think that's right. where, the, the, that where it all comes together. And that is, that, you know, just for a moment here, we'll talk about that. And that is at the end of every chromosome, end we have the these DNA. things called, mm-hmm. yeah, the telomeres. And these telomeres are the caps that keep the chromosomes intact and every time the cell replicates the chromosome replicates and and that little telomere gets a little shorter every time and so after 61 replications the telomeres are are and the chromosomes have gotten so short they can no longer replicate and form a normal cell and so the cell stops replicating and the cell goes into senescence and that means that it's still alive but not able to do anything like replicate and so if you can get those telomeres to grow longer, then you can have the cell replicating more, and that keeps you alive longer and healthier. And so uh, over back in, in the 90s, uh, I think it was Genentech came up with uh, uh, some studies, and they were trying to find something that would inhibit telomeres and telomerase, which is the enzyme that, that makes these telomeres. And so they were studying, and they found that instead of uh, an agent that would uh, work for cancer because cancer has long tele- telomeres and, and has a lot of telomerase, they were trying to get the, uh, an, uh, something to stop the telomerase in cancer cells. They found the opposite. They found something that would extend the telomeres and increase the telomerase, and that turned out to be a, an herbal extract called, uh, it's now a commercial uh, product called TA65. It's an extract of a, a Chinese herb called Astragalus membranosus, and, or membranaceous, and uh, that uh, it, one capsule uh, is made out of about a bushel basket of this herb, and so it's a lot of herbs that it takes to to grow uh, to uh, to make one capsule, and so the stuff is pretty expensive. In 2008, they were selling uh, one month supply for two thousand dollars, and so it was wow. about twenty five thousand twenty five thousand dollars a year. And I heard about it at that conference, and I said, "Oh, that's way too much money for me mm-hmm. and my patients." So there's no reason for me to get interested. Well, I kept talking to doctors every meeting I'd go to. I say, "What do you think about this stuff, TA65?" And I kept hearing the doctors that you know, were, that had enough money to do it, they were taking it and they were saying, yeah, I like it. It seems to make me do better, feel better and all that. And then about 2011, 11, 12, I think it was, uh, I had a couple come into my office. They were 80 years old and, and uh, they had, uh, they were, the, the man was, you know, had the, what I call the, the galloping dwindles. He was falling apart. He was, mm-hmm. had gone from a full-time active person to a couch potato and he slept most of the time and was basically in that uh, 
quick. Uh, he was heading toward death uh, fairly quickly, and his children had, had come across TA-65 and bought him some, and the wife, and they gave it to him, and he started taking it. He was, he was feeling better, but he still was having problems, and so they came in and heard about stem cells, and, and he asked me to do, uh, uh, give him a bone marrow treatment. And I had done a lot of 80-year-olds before that and had not seen much results at all. I told him that was foolish. He should keep his money and spend it on something else. Can you believe it? I mean, mm-hmm. how many times have you do- had a doctor tell you that? No, you don't need this. Go away. Uh, you know, I'm going to make some money here, but uh, you don't need this, and it's not going to do you any good. So he says, I don't care. It's my money. I want to spend it. I said, all right, but just be, be, don't get upset with me because you don't get any better. And so I did a bone marrow on him and, you know, take the bone marrow out and put it into his, this into mm-hmm. his vein. And by golly, within two, three weeks, he was like a new person. And he was oh ranting goodness. and raving, and the, the parents, uh, the parents, the, the par- his parents called. Children. No, his, his children <laughs> called and, and told me how great he was doing, and, and they sent the mother in, and she got a treatment. And so she did really good, and turned out to be that. I said, well, it must be the TA-65. So I took it to the lab and tested it in the lab. Sure enough, it makes stem cells grow like crazy. And so I've been using TA-65 for, you know, since then. And so now part of this program with this, uh, this uh, peripheral blood stem cell, if you take the TA-65, uh, prior to collecting the the blood and sending it to me, then your stem cells are much better, and you get a lot more stem cells than you would otherwise. So instead of 100 million, oh. you may get 100, 150 million. So uh, like this lady I just had, she had normally we were getting 100. She was on the TA65, and we got 187 million out of her. So oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So for for a little investment, that's that's you know it's quite a combination. Is so it we still have expensive? That well, yeah, no, it's now now is about five six hundred dollars a month. So if you're going to do the stem cells, you can do like a month or or so of that. You can do a a, a week or two beforehand, and then a, a couple of weeks after the uh, stem cells are given, and and that is enough to really uh, you know supercharge everything. Now, of course, you can afford more. You can you should be doing more, but you know if you wanted to keep it really on the cheap, then just do one vial or one one bottle, say a couple of weeks before and a three week or like one week before and. Three Three weeks after, you know, what you're trying to do is increase the body's regenerative capacity with stem cells. And part of that mm-hmm. regeneration or a lot of it is new blood vessels and new blood vessel formation. And all that stuff takes about three weeks to do. And so if you get the stem cells in after, you know, like if you give it today uh, and tomorrow's February 1st. So by February 21st through the 25th, the stem cells will have turned into new blood vessels and tissues. And so that's when, uh, and during that time is when things are critical. You don't want to go out and injure yourself. You don't want to go out and and uh, go motorcycle racing or, or mm-hmm. fall down or hurt yourself or you don't want to drink alcohol, you don't want to get infections because all during that three weeks, four weeks, you're very susceptible to injury because these tissues are very fragile. And so these are growing tissues, but if you give the TA65, that makes them grow better and function better too. So, uh, you know, it's just one more thing to help the stem cells grow and repair yourself. Hmm, interesting. Is, has there only been just one company that, Makes TA65. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of companies that are are well, I think probably about four or five right now. If you go to uh, just uh, put in Astragalus membranaceus in Google, you'll find that companies are selling this stuff for about a fourth or to a third that cost. But I keep trying each one, and I test them, and I take them myself, and keep telling myself that it's going to do as good. And I swear they don't do as good. So I mean, you're welcome to try all these. 
uh, these Johnny come lately's, but uh, I haven't uh, seen that it works uh, as good as the TA65. So if it's your health, it's important. I think you know, and you got yeah. the dollars, that you should just the spend, name of the manufacturer. The money. Yeah, yeah, TA65. Yeah, yeah, that's and others. Yeah. Some, some, uh, some uh, counterfeits on the market apparently too, yeah. uh, and so that uh, guys like me Maybe have careful. to take a, a one-day test uh, to. They give you a test to take uh, on stem cells mm-hmm. and telomerase and telomeres and all that. And you have to take this test, and then you get some kind of a license. I have that you can then sell it through your office. So uh, I guess you can't do it unless you're buying it through a doctor's office apparently. Gotcha. So that's. Not that I'm trying so you, to get business so for top selling TA65. So, so you personally take take it regularly, well, and you don't have I don't, and you, you don't know, have I, any I, I, t- any I'm side you, effects. Yeah, I was just going to say I do have side effects, and that's why I don't take it. My wife takes it, and she's doing well on it, and she's just she's uh, ecstatic about it. I tell you, and she's ecstatic now about that combination of stem cells and the TA65. I mean, just this morning she's in here telling me that I have to tell the world about this because she's feeling like she's on she's on speed. Oh, she says it's like I took a cup great? of coffee every morning. It's I'm great. <laughs> she's stormed out of here. It's just like okay. So, <laughs> but, so it doesn't. But you do. So it but it but it um, does. It has it a little problem increase. with gut irritation. That's the only thing oh, I've ever irritation. seen. From okay. from me, I've got this. I've had a chronic gut problem for many many years for a lot of reasons, and uh, part mm-hmm. of it is I think I'm type A behavior, and so I had gastritis <laughs> when I was eight, 18 years of age. I started getting gastritis and duodenitis, and I've had it ever since. And I'm a tall, skinny guy, and you get that kind of a problem with that kind mm-hmm. of a body build, and so I I have a hard time taking it. So I have to take it with food. So if I'm going to take it, I have to take it with food uh, but uh, gotcha. the idea is to take it between meals and if you have any kind of a problem with stomach you take like and if you have serious disease you take four a day so you take i have people taking two in the morning two in the afternoon between meals and and generally that is a most people can take it without side effects that way and lots of water mm. and, it, and it doesn't appear to um, increase any of your blood counts like your white counts or your big no, counts? No, it doesn't do anything like that. You know, normal, uh, even Neupogen, if you just do, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people don't have, Neupogen is the bone marrow stem cell stimulator that uh, yes. you can use. I use, yes. that, I use that too uh, for, like, if I'm, like some people uh, are going to come in for bone marrows. Uh, I'll do a Neupogen. Now, you can do Neupogen with the peripheral blood stem cell, too. I think that gives you even better results because you take a shot of Neupogen. And within, I like to, I've, I've been doing some testing of it, and, and the literature says that if you take one shot of Neupogen and you measure your stem cell count every hour, it varies from one person to another. And so up to like 18 hours or so, it's varying. So you may have stem cells coming out in your circulation in great quantities at three hours. I may have them at six hours, and another person and has it at 12 hours. But I did some studies and found that uh, if you wait for 24 hours, then everybody has a, a good count. And so I, I say give a, you know, one shot of Neupogen and then wait for 24 hours and then collect your peripheral blood stem cell the next day. And so that's uh, if you want to have the deluxe version of that peripheral stem cell mm-hmm. business, then you get a shot of Neupogen before you collect the blood. Oh, fascinating. And, and does it improve immune function? It depends, you know, and that that depends. Now, if you're talking about new the TA65, yes, the, TA65. You know, the TA65, I think does. Uh, stem yeah. cells in high quantities can actually inhibit. If the mesenchymal stem cells have a little a bit of an immune 
suppressing activity. And part of that is good because you're using it for autoimmune diseases and that kind of thing where you have inflammation in your system. And like the ALS cord, the spinal cord mm-hmm. is inflamed. And so when you're doing that, then you're having a, 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 a um, suppressive effect on the inflammation. So And, and so you have to be aware of that. Uh, and now if you have a, okay. already a chronic chronic immune suppression kind of situation where you're, you know, you're getting repetitive infections and all that, uh, and like pneumonias and all that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be giving a person like that uh, stem cells uh, without first uh, doing something about cleaning up the system and getting their immune system working better. Now, there's a lot of things that you can do for the immune system, uh, but they're not, <laughs> they're not FDA approved. Sure. I know. I, I don't want to talk okay, about well them. we're we're starting to we're starting to run out of out of time so I just wanted um you to tell our audience um how they could help fund you to carry out your research. Do you oh, have anything goodness. set up? Now, now now you're that's an amazing question. I I actually have a nonprofit 5013C. It's called the Steenblock Research Institute and I've got uh I've got, uh, you know, a bank account and all that kind of thing. So you get a tax write-off. People can donate $5 to $500,000. Anything would be good. Uh, and where do so they find one, you that? Uh, you can, well, uh, if you can remember my name, Steenblock, and just put down on the check or whatever. You can call my office, too, 949-367-8870, 949-367-8870. Three six seven eight eight seven zero, and, and uh, people can tell you how to go about that. So uh, I'm sure that they could take credit cards or whatever if you're interested. And in, and in, in some of the people are are for, are, are we have a meeting uh, coming up uh, in a few weeks. We just got done with our first organizational meeting of a young green club, and we're inviting all of you people who are interested in staying young and healthy uh, to come and, and join us. And and uh, like uh, this last time, I said I got up in front of everybody and I said, you know, I'm forming this club so that you can help me and I can help you. And, oh, okay. And so I, how often and, do you have I, meetings? And, and so, well, we have, uh, we tell everybody by email, so you're going to have to log on and and, uh, uh, and we have on our website uh, a place to uh, give us your email or you can call us and just give us your email that way and that oh, way okay. we are going to so let you know audience. where it is. Tell the audience so, what your website um, address. Yeah, Do you know it's, it? Uh, yeah, it's stem s t e m cell c e l l m d stem cell m d. Oh, that's great. Dot o r g. Oh, good. Okay. That's very and very so, simple. So we'll have uh, we're going to have another meeting in a few weeks. And uh, and like I say, you come and, and we're going to be talking about all kinds of things. But there's so many new things happening on aging and how to stay younger and all that. If you have any, you know, we never did finish the disease and and uh, and uh, aging uh, relationship. But uh, the more diseases you have, the more rapidly you're aging. And so we need to make sure that you stay as healthy as possible. The people that live over 100 in general have had no diseases ever. And so that's a very, very important thing to remember. You don't ever want to get sick. You always want to stay healthy. And if you can do that, you're going to live a long, long time. So, uh, And if, if that is not the case for you, then you don't have good genes like most of us. And that's one of the things we'll be talking about. What can we do to help keep your genes healthy? And there's all kinds of things in that score, too. So lots of things to know. And we need to all work together to help each of us get 
those kind of benefits because you can teach me, I can teach you, and with that we have one great relationship, and all of us are going to do a lot better because we're working together. Well, thank you, Dr. David Steenblock. You've been an absolute delight. I have learned a lot. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I'll be happy to come back and talk some more anytime. Okay. 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 Right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Please join us again next Wednesday for another wonderful show. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? your doctor for any information regarding any illness you may have.